That'll be the new intro to our thing. Alright, welcome to the garage. I'm Scott Lanahan. I'm Joe Ubel. Today you came up with our topic, uh, my seated idea, but you came up with the header <laughs> for it. Not all agents are created equal. Um, yes. So I had started uh, in our pre-discussion, there's a lot of instances recently where we've had sign calls mm-hmm. and we're meeting people for the first time. And I think it's pretty common when people kind of start out the home buying process, they they get on Zillow or whatever search engine they're using mm-hmm. and they click a button and they go out and they see a property. Yeah, They meet an agent and for whatever reason, there's a discussion that starts. Uh, and you and I had kind of a pre-discussion on the what's and why's. Right. And uh, um, I think you would, you would pose a question, why shouldn't you be afraid of an agent? Well, I guess my biggest challenge with this this topic is um, I come to come to find that not every agent I run into um, understands what's going on or can talk the talk and walk the walk and be with their client and abdicate for them um, and feel like they can be able to to share everything they need to share but also negotiate everything they need to negotiate with the I, I think what's funny and I noticed it more with covid mm-hmm. right when covid hit They'd only allow one group into a house. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you'd be standing out front. It was uh, winter still. Yeah. Right? They'd, uh, or maybe that was all the way through the summer. And, but I remember standing out in front of the house. It's winter. There's like 15, 20 different agents with their clients standing out in front of a garage waiting <laughs> for their turn to get in. And it wasn't until like those moments with the masks on and everything else when we're in a house with numerous agents that all of a sudden the mirror gets turned on us as an industry and you're like, holy crap, like I would be embarrassed. Right. Right. I, and I don't want to take anything away from like, I know a ton of fabulous agents Mm -hmm. that do incredibly good work for their clients, Mm -hmm. but you forget that there's, there's a lot of us. Yeah, what's what's the statistic? Is it like 25,000 in Twin Cities? Is it really? And so I guess my point on that is that, you know, what I'm amazed at is their interaction with their clients. Yeah. Like the, the questions. Mm-hmm. Like, again, uh, we get that sign call. Yep. I go out, I meet this person I've, I've never met. Yep. Right? And obviously, uh, my first fiduciary duty is to show these folks the house. Yep. And, uh, you know, I guess when I take a look at that, um, you know, if I, if I was just in and out, I mean, the whole point is, do you want this house or don't you? Right. But at some point, you know, if they, if they don't want this particular house, there's some questions, right? Like there has to be a reason you called on this. Yep. Like what boxes does this check for you? Well, the first first thing you're, what you're doing is 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 as a seller, 
and you're, you're a person answering a phone call for your seller, your first fiduciary duty is to show that buyer the house. So your first responsibility is to understand that buyer's uh, needs for that house. If it doesn't 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 fit their needs, then you engage on other conversations. So you try to talk to them about you well, know, house it, needs, right, and other things that they would be talking about, or why this is a fit. Yeah, and I'm not trying to sell them the house. If they don't want the house, that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I've already fulfilled my fiduciary duty, mm-hmm. which is to uh, a market the home mm-hmm. for the seller, get them in, get people in, yeah, to determine whether it matches them or not, and to listen to their feedback. If they don't want it, why? Mm-hmm. Right, and not just that one, but the other agent that ran through someone and someone else. It, you're gauging. The objections, yep, right? Because at the end of the day, the seller wants to sell, and you're listening to the feedback. But once that script gets flipped, right, and the buyer's like, well, yeah, this this doesn't match my needs, yep. right? If it's someone that I think I can help or I'd want to help, mm-hmm. I ask the questions, right? Well, you know, what drew you here? Yep. Right? I mean, that's a good question. What what brought you to this house? Because there's a story. Mm-hmm. And I just tell me the story. What are we trying to solve? Right? And, and I think the reason why we're having this discussion right here about this type of thing is because we don't want you as a consumer and uh, um, a buyer, seller, to be afraid to have conversations. I feel like uh, the adages, you know, used car salesman type thing, conversation. Once you give all the information to an agent, they're going to go sell you something immediately. You know, if you are a good agent, and I know you are, and I know I am, you want to spend, (laughs) I know you want to spend the quality time with them. You want to engage. You want to participate in their discussions. And you want to give engaging topics to talk about. Yeah, I don't... (sighs) I don't know. I mean, I take a look at um, if they don't want my help, that's okay. Yep. Um, but it it also when you look at somebody that's clearly trying to solve a problem, and you ask a couple questions, and if if they don't want to work with you after you give them a couple answers, right, mm-hmm. or pose some additional questions, again, that's okay. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, all I hope is when they walk away that um, they've maybe start asking themselves a couple of those questions, right? Because I, I think, you know, you and I talked about <clears throat> in this industry, you know, if they show up and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I want this house, mm-hmm. right? Or, or better yet, let's say I start with a client where in house number five or six, they've told me. I've got their story now. They told me this is what we're looking for for this, this, this. These are the the answers that we're looking to try and solve yep, here's the hot with buttons. this move. And we get into house six. Mm-hmm. And it only checks two of the six boxes, right? But they love the house, right? But they love the house. And they're having an emotional reaction to it. Um, it would be some agents mm-hmm. might sit there and the, the client goes, all right, what's the next step? Yep. And they go about writing up the contract, negotiating the contract, getting them through inspection, getting them to close. I would probably have higher volume than I do if I just followed that that formula. Yeah. But um, I want to sell them the right house, right? Well, 
So I'm not saying yeah. that isn't the right house. Yeah. What I'm saying is that I'm going to pick up the mirror and put it back at them and say, hey, you know, you told me this option number three, this checks two of these boxes, but this third option, you sat there and you said, well, yeah, this is really important to us. Like, this is at the top of our list. You know, I take the mirror and I go, well, this this doesn't have that one box checked. Mm-hmm. You know, which is okay if this is the direction you want to go. I just want to understand, like, why are we giving this one up? Yep. Right? Yep. And again, all I'm looking for is statistically, you know, let's say it's a first-time home buyer. They're going to spend three to seven years in that first house. Yeah. Right? For some people, that might be a tenth of their life. Yeah. Right? I just want to help you uh, understand the choice that you're making and why you're making it. So that if you do make it, there's no regret. Right. That there's not another for sale sign in the front yard two years from now with some other agent's name on it because you're pissed at me because I just sold you a house that you didn't want. You just basically wrote the contract, put them through the, through the, through the process, and put them through closing. Now, I've, I've ruined my... I, there's certain times I've got clients that bought their first house. They've been there 20 years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Scott. That's not good for me. I like the gypsies, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it says that we found them a right spot that they could grow into where it, it checked the boxes and still their life has still fits that box. Yeah, that, that's those are very great points. And I really think that that as a, as a good agent, as a, an engaging agent, um, you're not just writing contracts. You're not just uh, um, putting things together. You are making these conversations happen. You are re-engaging these clients enough to, they can make the right decisions. Because that, that that's that's my goal. I know that's your goal. Is you want to have these conversations and let your 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 clients talk them through, engage wise of uh, why this house works and doesn't work. And you're you're playing matchmaker, and uh, you if your goal is just to sell them the first house that they kind of like, you know they may not really match that house. And maybe you you have to have a conversation is. Maybe this isn't your house. Maybe it's the next house that's better for you. Well, I think my goal is when we start out that process, ask those questions, challenge, mm-hmm. right? And again, what I'm trying to do is get them laser focused on what they're willing to concede on. Yeah, because not every house is, is perfect, right? We've, no. we've all engaged that at every price point. Yeah. You can't to find let, the perfect house. To let those, those big non-negotiables kind of float to the top. Mm-hmm. Right, a second bathroom. Maybe there's a teenager, and they're like, "Yeah, like that second bathroom is really important <laughs> to us." Right, and, and a lot of times, or that third bathroom, whatever it, it may be. It, a lot of these these conversations stem from you know um, they're in a current house now, or in an apartment, or in a rental right now, and they're like, "This really affects us." Yeah, a bathroom, uh, not having a place for uh, my hobbies. Or, you know, something to that extent. And you're like, okay, well, let's try to solve that problem. You know, and if that isn't is the top of the list, you want to make sure that, that they were still focused, that's still on top of the list. If it's not, we should have talked about it. That's why it's not. Yeah. And just resolve it, mm-hmm. right? And understand, all right, well, this checks this and this box. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing to give up the one that I said was non-negotiable. That's where... That conflict gets in there, and you help people resolve mm-hmm. 
what the reaction that they're having really is, mm-hmm. right? Because we all make decisions on a regular basis over the course of our lives that maybe we look back in hindsight and go, I yeah. could have done that one better. Yeah, that wasn't the greatest decision. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, housing, it's not the end of the world if you make a bad choice. But for some folks, it, it's let's face it, I mean, people don't generally enjoy moving. No. No, it's, it's a challenge for a lot of people and for good reason. It's It's a lot of work. Um, it's emotionally taxing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just hard. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's where you look at if we're doing our job right, mm-hmm. um, it should be at least somewhat enjoyable. Right. Right? Right. Uh, enjoyable knowing that your house is going to fit you better now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That that teenager has that second bathroom space. Right? Or the house that was too big for you, all of a sudden now we've got a more manageable space. Right? Right? Or the stairs are gone. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Everyone's different. Yeah. I, I think as an engaging agents, you know, you want to make sure you, you play the matchmaker game. But you're also asking the questions. So you help them through the process. Um, you know, and sometimes, and I know you've said this before, is maybe you've talked to your client out uh, in a different direction because you had those pointed conversations because you've had them narrow down what they're looking for and said maybe the situation does not fit you because of the x y and z and they then also engage like i, I attune that to um, today's market um, or in the last couple of years market where you have 30 minutes in a house maybe an hour and you are are in charge to make a, a 400 to five hundred thousand dollar purchase decision on yeah. an hour's decision making yeah and so I'm then in that conversation with you as, as your buyer, and I should be the one asking questions and helping you have this conversation about the property. Yeah. And if I'm doing my job right, I'm having these, these right conversations because I, cause they're going to be turn, they're going to turn to me and it says, Joe or Scott, what do you think about this house? Yeah. Do you use anything that you see that you don't like? And then you can say, it's not that I don't like, is like how does it fit your needs? Does it, anything that's, that's here that's, that you feel like that's going to be a little awkward for you in the future? Yeah. Um, well, or, and then the, the general stuff too. I mean, no house is perfect, right? Right. Deferred maintenance, maintenance stuff like that. I mean, I before I get to an inspection, I'd love to know as much about that house as possible, right? Of just, course, I'm sitting there with the rose-colored lenses on as a buyer and. This checks all those boxes, but the realities, right? I just went through an inspection last week where the realities of some of the deferred maintenance all of a sudden really started to kind of come to bear during that inspection process. And they were aware of most of it, right? Right. But I think the cumulative total of it, uh, now that they had kind of just a more concrete plan Mm -hmm. on that house going forward, um, they second-guessed it, Mm -hmm. which is okay. I mean, I'd much rather have that than them to go ahead with something. Can I add one other thing? So there was a sign call. We closed in January. Um, I went out. I met her. It was a townhome out in Bloomington. And uh, it was a a good match for her. But where she was at in the process, the house sold before she could kind of get her ducks in a row. Yep. But in that meeting with her... On that uh, cold winter night, (laughs) I asked a couple questions, and uh, we ended up working together. Mm -hmm. 
But in hindsight, you know, when I looked at her and I said, you know, can you just answer for me? Because um, I knew she had worked with another agent, previously stepped out of the market and was kind of coming back in again. You know, uh, what what was it with the other agent that it just you couldn't you couldn't move ahead? And she said, uh, you know, that's an interesting question, Scott. She goes, he didn't ask me questions like you do, like um, just helping me kind of process what it is I'm trying to solve with this. Mm-hmm. She goes, I went into the process just thinking, well, I don't like where I live now. Um, I'd like to change that mm-hmm. without ever really examining what she was. She had an idea, but just the through the process of questioning what's possible, what's possible. Right. And then laying out a couple possibilities and challenging a little bit about what she was seeing versus what she wanted. Again, what we do isn't magic, mm-hmm. but you forget that not everyone does it. And not everyone does it at the same pace. No, you and I probably have, even though we've worked together as long as we have, and I think we talk a lot about what we do, I'm sure there's some cadences that we were different. Yeah, just, some some protocol. Well, I, I think we're very much the same, but I think there's also some differences, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look back and I say, well, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe because part of what I'm trying to do is get you like laser beam focused on what works and what doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what you're asking of me, Yep. right? It's not magic. Mm-hmm. But I understand that not everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing I want, I want to add to that too as well is um, one of the f- major things I know I focus on and I know you focus on as well is when someone asks about what do you think about the house and what do you think about the price, what do you think about the value, the first thing I'm thinking about is where does this house sit in the market in five years or ten years? What kind of property does it look like? Yeah. And where does it fit into the market? Like is it a very sellable property? Is resale. It, You're already looking ahead. I'm to already thinking yeah, how yeah. sellable is this property? Yeah. Because it's so important to be able to. I'm not saying that this should be your only focus, but if you are are buying, you know, a one bedroom um, house in in a certain location that only has <coughs> one or two of those houses that are available at all times and it doesn't sell very well, well, that should be a conversation or. You know, they're going to ask, you know, how sellable is this house in the future? And if it's not very sellable because of X, Y, and Z, because of this or that, you know, that should be a conversation. Uh, because, you because you know, you're not saying you, you don't want to, to um, sell them on a lemon, but that's what you don't want to have it harder. Well, you may have a client with atypical needs. Right. And uh, it's an atypical property. Right. They're, we've and all sold match. those. Yeah. And we've all sold those. But we all also know that, that those atypical properties may not sell. As fast as the well, and that's just it. As long as your client kind of understands, right, that hey, uh, on resale, mm-hmm. we're gonna have to find someone like you. Yeah, right. Yeah, that whole adage: there's a light on in every house, meaning mm-hmm. that for no matter how goofy that house is, you can drive by a year from now, there'll be a light on in the living room, meaning someone found that house suitable enough to live there. Yeah, and, and Greg, just a simple example would be a house that has you know. 60 steps walking up to the to the to the front door front door okay not everyone's gonna want that no and so that's gonna make it harder for it to sell to a, to a normal family yeah 
I had one, uh, this that same buyer I was just talking about out in Bloomington, we showed one in Bloomington that there had to be 25 steps up to, mm-hmm. so it was like a second level, all one set of stairs, yep. and then it went up to a third level, and of course, all I can think about is how often I leave my car keys sitting on my dresser and think, I'm going to have buns of steel, <laughs> right? I'm going to get down to the front door and realize, oh, I left my wallet mm-hmm. on my dresser. And then I'm going to have to cart up all those, I think it was like 42 steps. It was silly. Like yeah. 35, yeah. 40 steps. But uh, but looking at that's atypical. Mm-hmm. And understanding that uh, we're not going to be reselling this property to someone that's looking to avoid stairs. Exactly. And that, that, that's a, a simple example. She did not buy that house, yes. by the way. <laughs> but that's a simple example that, that definitely changes the whole avenue of how a house is going to sell. Yeah. And yeah. not everyone's going to fit in those, in those little molds. Um, so we're at 23 minutes. I wanted to uh, touch base on one of the other very important things that agents bring to the table, which is negotiating. Yeah. I, this is phenomenal. And, you know, there's, it, it's a different animal the last probably five-ish years. So it's, you have to come to the table a little more. Uh, kind well, of, let's face it. What you're negotiating and how you're negotiating has changed with the marketplace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what you're advocating, how someone negotiate during COVID is different than to a year before COVID. Right. 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 Or even today versus then. Right. The fact yeah. that inspections are back, Joe. Inspections are back, which I, I, I love. Yeah. You know. But why don't I... Sorry, I keep wait, wait, I, I digress. Yes, that's fine. Um, I, negotiate. Go, go for it. Well, I just... I think one of the things you're looking for... I mean, let's face it. You go out, you meet an agent for the first time. You're looking at the property, but you are really vetting that agent as well. Right? You're looking at, all right, I'm looking for a home. But, I mean, it doesn't cost me anything as a buyer. I should really be also interviewing and trying to find someone to advocate for me, to help me through the process. Mm -hmm. And one of the differences I notice is that I've had clients that are great negotiators Mm -hmm. right from the get-go, either through their work. uh, A client that I have right now sold radio stations for years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He's a good negotiator. Mm-hmm. Like he understands the process. Not everybody's that way, right? I the 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 um, and that's part of what you're trying to get an agent for is all right. What's what's customary? What's not customary? What buttons can I push? Yeah, how far can I push? Yeah, right. Or like, what leverage t- do I have? Like in today's market, does my uh, um, ten thousand, twenty thousand off list price doesn't make sense? And you know, and you're like on day one, on, on day the one, the market, and we're like, okay, well, maybe, but uh, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, how do we feel about the, the price? How much activity are they getting? Um, let's put some call, phone calls into the agent and find out more about what's going on. Yeah, and before we get to that, because you yeah. had a great part with that, is that uh, I always uh, I love adages, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, every buyer's fear is overpaying. Mm-hmm. And every seller's fear is leaving money on the table, mm-hmm. right? So as long as we start from, that's our base that we're working from, right? Yeah. No buyer says, oh, yeah, I, I want to overpay for this. Now, they may, when they look at the market, go, this is undervalued. Yeah. Right? Yep. That doesn't mean they're overpaying for it. 
just means they have a better sense of value than most. But you had brought up um, to that end on negotiating. Mm-hmm. I interrupted you, and you were going to say, what were you going to lend to on negotiating? <laughs> Shit, sorry, Joe. <laughs> I'm so good at doing this, and for whatever reason, I was like the adage. I'm going to bring up the adage, and then, Joe, you go into that. Um, what was it? What were, you, what were you talking about? We were now, talking about negotiating. Now you, now you distracted me. Well, why don't I start again? Yeah. <laughs> One of my least favorite negotiating styles. Well, you're going to start over the topic completely? No, not completely. <laughs> Is uh, You get buyers that are the uh, the split the difference buyers. Yeah, that's, that's the old... Where they create a difference. Yep. And they figure, well, the, then the seller will come back in the middle. Right? So I'm going to come in... 40 grand under list price they're, they're gonna come in with 20 like they're gonna come, yeah <laughs> it's the scott this is negotiating 101 and you're like well first of all you created the difference <laughs> right so they aren't gonna just split it in half again and i'm not saying that when we come down to things like if we're going back and forth over a thousand dollars that it doesn't get split mm-hmm more times than not, it doesn't. But there's a lot of negotiating that usually goes on before we get to well both I mean, sides going, hey, listen, neither one of us wants to walk in a different direction over a thousand bucks. Let's just figure this out. Right. Right. Well, I guess I guess the tune of the point that I think that you wanted me to make. Yes. Was um, I knew I'd get you there. Ah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the point you're talking about. Uh, as an agent, um, you are very in tune and aware to the conversations. Um, I think it is so important that you have a conversation with the agent on the other side uh, prior to making an offer. Yeah. Um, trying to just stoke a fire, stoke the what what what's going on, get an idea of where things are at with the agent. Maybe the agent will tell you more things than you're than, you, than they should. Um, and to be to be fair, yes. uh, um, not every agent is going to be. Um, as close to the vest as everyone. Yes. And I personally um, don't, don't, it's very uh, pointed conversations. I know what I'm doing when I have these conversations. I have a conversation because I know what I'm going to be getting out of it. I ask questions knowing that I could be open-ended. But everyone's always negotiating, right? Uh, the buyer walks into a home and the first question out of their mouth is how long has this been on the market? Yes. Right? Uh Someone walks into an open house and the uh, agent hosting the open, it's a friendly question and there's nothing nefarious with it, but there, you know, how long have you been looking? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all information. Let's face it, when you're negotiating, it's all about who knows what information. Yes. Right? You know, and how they use that information. As an example, if you find out that the house that your buyer is inquiring on, the seller already bought another property, it would just in tune change the game a little bit for how you approach the seller. Uh, it depends on, of course, how many interested parties are there. But if you know they already bought something, okay, when are they going to close? What can I what can I uh, do to make my closing date more appealing to them? Yeah. Um, how do they have to sell? Did they have to? Is it contingent? Yeah. And as is if as as an as you as the buyer's agent are asking this question because as a listing agent maybe you give that information up, maybe you shouldn't. You know, you do, as, as the listing side agent, I personally wouldn't give any information up. They don't, you don't need to know what, because what, that's yeah, the but, motivation. But, but a great example, you just negotiated one uh, up in 
Big Lake. I did, yeah. Uh, client calls you, a client that you've worked with in the past, calls you up and says, hey, um, Joe, I want you to go up there, take a look at uh, a couple properties for me. So you drive up there. Yep. You talk to the agent that has one of the particular properties listed, mm -hmm. and that house went into multiple offers. Mm -hmm. Day one on the market, mm -hmm. correct? Um, you start asking questions. Yep. And the agent is uh, open with information. Yeah. And let's face it, at the end of the day, her client wants specific terms. They wanted the property to sell at a certain price. They wanted a closing date that matched something with another house being sold, probably, yep. if I remember right. Yep. So, I mean, she truly is trying to get the pieces of the puzzle to match and get her client terms that allow them to move smoothly. So the information that she's sharing with you is information that's going to help make the pieces fit together as perfectly as possible. But it Correct. falls on you to ask the right questions because you're going into a multiple offer situation, mm -hmm. meaning that you're competing with two other offers. And if, if the listeners don't know how multiple offers work, imagine a poker table. The seller's the dealer. Everyone deals their best hand, right? Mm -hmm. The seller gets to look at all three hands in this particular case. Yep. And pick the one that suits them best. Yep. It's it's not always highest price. Usually, price is one of the major uh, deciding factors. Ninety percent of the time, it it drives it drives the bus. But there are other pieces that make the penny shine a little brighter for one particular offer over another. Mm -hmm. um, so that one was uh, multiple offers, three offers, uh, and uh, it came out that your client got that house. They did. Yeah. They did. And so, sometimes uh, there is there is a cadence that happens really well um, that by having conversations, picking up the phone, talking to these agents physically makes a massive difference when, when you're trying to fit in emotions uh, with your buyer and your seller. And if the, there's a trust factor where it is... You call the agent, they pick the phone up. Or you call the agent and they said, I'll get back to you. Hold on. And there's, there's something that goes, goes involved with it. It makes a difference when they have a trust with getting the job done. Because what they're trying to do is match a buyer and a seller together that will work together and get you the finish line. Because nothing is more um, hurt, hurt when you get to the you can't get to the finish line because someone someone blew up the deal for something else. Well, you had brought up the agent had said it was nice. Uh, one of the offers just got sent in. Yeah, no that, communication at all. That and that's that's a was was definitely a COVID protocol thing. It felt like you know you know you didn't have any conversations with anyone. There was no text messages. There was no emails. All of a sudden, an, an email, uh, offer show up in your inbox, and you're like, Whoa, "What is this? Where does this come from?" And you can start look, looking back at your at your showings, going, "All right, well, oh, they show it this day, uh, Tuesday at ten o'clock." Yeah, but I got no feedback. No feedback, no communication, but you get the offer. You get an which, offer. If I didn't have two other offers, would be phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Or if all of a sudden uh, that offer has something in it that is uh, makes it the shiny penny. Yeah. Right, yeah, it is game changer right there. Well, then the communication opens up, right? Mm -hmm. But again, <clears throat> that that whole not all agents are created equal, mm -hmm. right? 
I don't know what was going on with that offer. It might have been one that, and I've had it, where uh, a buyer says, yeah, it's at day one on the market, it's listed at $370,000. I'd like to write an offer for three hundred and Yep. The split the difference buyer, right? Yeah. And you go, well, there's two other offers. It's day one on the market, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a serious offer, right? Well, I want you to write it up. Yep. Well, that's the instruction you got then. Yep. So you have to do the job. I mean, your job is to, is you to follow your fiduci- so- obedience, yep. fiduciary duty of obedience, right? Yep. So I write it. I, he knows the buyer probably knows that they're not going to get it. If not, that's the lesson they're going to learn. But they also uh, sometimes there are a lot of occasions where any, uh, a buyer will say, "I want to write this offer and I want it this way," and you say, and "You'd have a conversation of what's likely and what's not likely." Yeah. And then they like, well, we, we, let's see what happens. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, and that's okay. And that's so definitely I do okay. write it. Yep. But for whatever reason, maybe that agent wrote an offer that uh, was def- they didn't feel was going to go through. Mm-hmm. So they didn't take the extra steps of calling the agent, getting the additional information. What hot buttons? I mean, I can't give you the extra 40000 What other hot buttons can I, can I touch? To maybe at least give me somewhat of an advantage for what could ultimately end up being a loser, right? Mm-hmm. Of an offer. And I'd, I'd, I want to add adage too is what you're just trying to say too is not all agents are created equal of, of treating the same situation the same. Like yeah. I don't change how I approach making an offers. It is the same cadence that I do every single time. I try to get a hold of the agent yep. on the phone. Get a chance to see, put some, hear some voice into the inflection of what they're, what's going on, yeah. how busy they might be on the property, and what can I do to help my, my client. Yeah. And that should be happening with every every agent. But does it happen? No. I don't know. So uh, we're at close to that 30-minute mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll end up, there's, there's, I'm only, I'm not even halfway through the list of stuff that I had. So well, why don't we finish this up? Yeah, we'll do a part uh, two. We'll record a part two on this one. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, uh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> um, at least on this topic, pertaining yep. to this topic. Uh, so with that, I will go ahead and sign off. I'm Scott Lanahan. And I'm Joe Ubel. Thanks for stopping by the garage. Mm-hmm.